1: and the collection is free of sulfates, parabens, dyes, and mineral oil. So experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends Collection.
2: Hey, guys, it's Bobby Bones. I host The Bobby Bones Show, and I'm pretty much always sleepy because I wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning. A couple hours later, I get all my friends together, and we get into a room, and we do a radio show. We share our lives, we tell our stories, we try to find as much good in the world as we possibly can, and we look through the news of the day that you'll care about. Also, your favorite country artists are always stopping by to hang out and share their lives and music, too. So wake up with a bunch of my friends on 98.7 WMZQ in Washington, D.C., or wherever the road takes you on the iHeartRadio app.
1: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?
2: Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And you're in today for another episode of Summer Shorts. And we are talking about summer camp, which I was really looking forward to because I loved camp as a kid.
3: You and I are so different. Really? Well, a girl tried to kill me at a YMCA day camp, so I never went back to any camp.
2: Man, I was totally the opposite. I mostly went to church camps. I would not have gone to one of your secular YMCA <laughs> camps. <laughs> what, Young Men's <sighs> Christian Association? No, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I mean, like, more like church-sponsored camps. Uh, I would go by myself for a week or so. And then my whole family for a few summers went to family camp, which was also a lot of fun. And then for a few years in late middle school and early high school, I was a day camp counselor. Oh. Mm-hmm.
3: That's fun. Yeah. I bet you didn't let any girls strangle any of your campers. Her name was Morgan. Well, she wore an <laughs> eye patch. I'm just going to throw that out there. She <laughs> thought I was talking smack about her, but I wasn't. And she turned around and started choking me.
2: With an eye patch? Mm. So I'm, I'm reminded of the She turned her weeks.
3: one intense eye on me. It was like,
2: are you talking about me? No. Sounds right. Fr- if I had been your camp counselor, Caroline, I would have I stopped that mm-hmm. fight. But... Let's not get sidetracked. Okay. Uh, for a quick rundown, 11 million American kids are probably going to be shipped off to camp (laughs) this year, according to the American Camp Association. Uh, there are around 12,000 traditional camps all around the United States. The weekly average cost of sleepaway camp is anywhere from 325 to 780 bucks, which I'm sure is a bargain for parents. (laughs) Oh, that's true. During the summer. Uh, but, the start of camps, which is really quite an American phenomenon, mm-hmm. uh, got its start in the early 20th century because there was a fear of kids essentially being cooped up in school too long.
3: Yeah. Well, and there was also the whole reaction to industrialization in the late 19th century. Right. People were like, oh, my God, people are all in the cities and they're outside and they're
2: loafing around the streets. Well, like we mentioned in our episode on the PTA in the by the 1880s and 1890s, you had those first compulsory school laws to get kids out of the factories and off the streets and into school. But then during the summer, what is a child to do? Exactly.
3: And you can't, yeah, you can't just let them roam free. So you had to get them out of the cities, back connecting with nature. And according to camp director Henry W. Gibson back during this time, you know, he was very concerned about this newfangled idea of a summer break. Mm -hmm. Like, what is this? You're just letting them roam around? And he said that it's a period of moral deterioration with most boys who have heretofore wasted the glorious summertime loafing on the city streets or as disastrously at summer hotels or amusement places.
2: Yeah, summer camps started off initially, even though girls quickly jumped into the game, but it started off as a thing for boys. It was focused on... Getting the boy, making sure that they were cultivating masculine skills, making sure that they were self-sufficient, not being too coddled by the uh, luxuries of urban life. Mm -hmm. Because it was also more focused, as you can imagine, toward middle and upper class families who could afford to send their kids out into the wilderness.
3: Yes, such as the gunnery camp, which in 1861, uh was started by headmasters of a private school in Connecticut, Frederick and Abigail Gunn, and it's considered the first organized American camp. And they basically took some of their uh, private school students out into the woods for two weeks, and, yeah, that's considered the first organized camp.
2: Yeah, and then in 1874, the Philadelphia chapter of the YWCA, the Young Women's Christian Association, founded the organization's first summer camp, or Vacation Project. As it was called. and I, I need
3: a vacation project.
2: Yeah, the, the approach, the initial approach for boys' camps versus girls' camps, quite different.
3: Yeah, boys were out outside. They were fishing. They were canoeing. As Dr. Winthrop Tisdale Talbot said in 1905, it was a chance to let the sunshine pour upon every portion of their bared bodies. Kind of weird out of context, but for girls at this YWCA camp, they had a summer boarding and vacation house for, quote, tired young women wearing out their lives in an almost endless drudgery for wages that admit no thought of rest or recreation. So girls rested while boys went out and climbed trees and stuff.
2: But then things start to pick up for girls in summer camps as we would start to think of them now. In 1902, with a lady named Lara Mattoon who founded Camp Kihonka for girls in New Hampshire. And Camp Kihonka was pretty revolutionary because it kind of brought the same wilderness, rough it approach for girls camps, like they have for boys camps. And she was so intent on girls having, uh, enriching outdoor experiences that she created, and this is in 1902, so keep in mind that this was, would, would have created quite a stir. She created bifurcated skirts for girls so they could move freely in the outdoors. And I, I'm envisioning them essentially as very large, billowing culottes.
3: Yeah, they were kind of shorter than I, I saw a picture, they were kind of shorter than I actually expected. They were
2: yeah, but they were billowy. Yeah, they're Lots about knee room. length. Yeah. And then in 1912, the first Girl Scout camp is held, very close to where we are right now, Caroline in Savannah, Georgia.
0: I had no idea. Okay, so a recent study found that a great hair day makes you happier and more confident, but that same study also revealed that 95% of women don't feel great about their hair.
1: I can definitely relate to the confidence part because if my hair is doing something. And Sundays
0: on NBC, watch it live. There's sure to be big twists and huge surprises.
1: So you'll want to enjoy your Good Girls experience in a spoiler-free zone.
0: The all-new, all-hilarious season of Good Girls, Sundays on NBC and stream anytime.
3: Uh, two years later, the first Campfire Girls camp is held, and according to The Daily, uh, it was actually founded in 1910 by Luther Glick with a curriculum designed to make housekeeping duties seem like an adventure. And I feel like I need someone to come do that for me.
2: (laughs) You want to go to housekeeping camp? Yeah, sweeping is not an adventure at all in my mind. But sweeping builds your moral character. Could be. At least that's what they probably would have said. Because one thing that hasn't changed so much about camp over the 20th century and now into the 21st century is that there has always been this emphasis on building character in kids, teaching them these kind of practical skills like team building, conflict resolution, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, latch key making, <laughs> friendship bracelet friendship composition. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's all these, uh, there is this notion that we, I, I don't think that we were that comfortable with the idea of kids just running around willy nilly during the summer and that they need um, this special outside place away from the hustle and bustle of mm-hmm. city life. Uh, in modern life, to, to teach them um, traditional kinds of skills, and after World War II, summer camp reached its zenith because of the the middle class that emerged um, out of those post-war years and in this idea of wanting to send kids out to experience nature and to really build up their patriotic and civic characters yeah, as well. It became less of a worry
3: about their moral character, like what were they doing on the streets in the summertime out of school, and more on like... You're American. Camp is American as apple pie. Like, go be proud of your country at camp.
2: And that's why you might see themes at summer camp like uh color wars. Like, you go to camp, a lot of times you'll immediately be assigned to uh, some kind of cabin, and the cabin might have a color, or you might just have a color. And uh color wars, though, are not, uh they were not invented after World War II. They actually go back... To the mid-1910s, and they were built off uh, the game Capture a Flag and became popular in Northeastern boys' camps. But the colors were often blue and gray for the Union and Confederate armies of the American Civil War. So that's hmm. where color wars came from. Interesting. Kids playing Civil War. Okay. Color
3: hmm. wars. I only went to day camp once ever, so I kind of know what you're talking about. Wait,
2: and it was that and that was where eye patch almost killed? Yeah, exactly. <gasps> <Eye> patch, Traumatizing. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but um camp started shifting after this whole baby boomer going to camp thing because eventually the baby boomers grow up. Camps started to get more organized and professional. Um, and by the 1980s and 90s, there was a definite decline in new residential camps. Also, a lot of this beautiful landscape by lakes and rivers and stuff ended up getting picked up by developers. So there were condos and vacation homes on the shores instead of camps. mm mm-hmm.
2: um, And we've also, in the meantime, seen the surge of day camps. Especially, and then also these specialty camps. Like just going to sleepaway camp to make popsicle stick crafts and paddle boat around on a lake for eight weeks is really not, it's really not the norm anymore. Yeah,
3: parents are really concerned now with either having their kids learn skills or having their kids
2: learn something that looks good on a college resume. And also to keep them busy. There were, um, there are two, Articles, one in Time Magazine, one from uh, the Christian Science Monitor, that were talking about how summer camp has changed to be driven by, um, I guess, the need to entertain kids constantly. Because they're concerned that if there's nothing for them to do, then they're just going to be bored and not do anything. Yeah, set stuff on fire, things like that. And at the same time, uh, they, these specialty camps have emerged to really tap into that. Um, so, science camps in particular have become extremely popular, but there are camps out there for anything from like kids who want to be chefs to uh, stunt people to filmmakers to acting camps, all sorts of camps. I'm, there might even be a podcast camp out there. <laughs> oh my God. I don't know.
3: That would be be awesome. Well, the Christian Science Monitor article does kind of take issue with this whole attitude of like keep them busy all the time, Mm -hmm. send them to a super specific camp, um, because there are a lot of, there are camp advocates. Oh yeah. Real, like, quote unquote, real camp advocates, uh, who say that we're, we're taking something away from our kids by making them be hyper-focused and that summer camp is being elbowed out by the viral pace of childhood where the school year starts earlier and early- earlier, where high school sports and their very specific skill sets now dangle the promise of a free ride to college. So there's a lot of pressure that we're putting on our children,
2: even at camp. Right. Um And I will say, though, one thing that they did mention, these articles did mention about the camps today is that. Even though they might be more activity-driven than they were in the past, kids typically, though, we can breathe a sigh of relief, are not allowed to bring their cell phones to camps. Some allow email access for parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one strange thing uh, that I read about, this is coming from a spokesperson from the American Camp Association, was talking about the newest trend of parents wanting to see a photo of their child at camp online.
3: Helicopter parents.
2: Yeah, pretty soon after they drop them off. To make sure that they're there to analyze their body language and how many bruises does little
3: Timmy have. Yeah,
2: make sure that they're doing okay. Um, rather than fending for themselves. Um, and I actually ran across a pretty recent study that was trying to evaluate uh, predictors for homesickness mm-hmm. in female campers. I guess it left for sleepaway camp for longer periods of time, and uh, they ruled out the maternal relationship as being a uh, correlative factor for extreme homesickness. And more had to do with um, the female campers' Relationships, social relationships outside of school and day to day lives. So yeah. So, hmm. so moms aren't just, you know, holding you back. Yeah. What's, what, what, you know, what's the, the camp song? Hello, mother. Hello, father. Mm-hmm. Here I am, am at camp. Da, 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 what is it? Camp. I don't know. Something yeah. that
0: rhymes with mudda and fada. Okay. So a recent study found that a great hair day makes you happier and more confident. But that same study also revealed that 95% of women don't feel great about their hair.
3: He never passes the rock, he constantly bricks threes, and he'll completely hack you and then put his hands up and say, no foul, no foul. With GEICO, it's easy to switch and save on car insurance. No need to fake an ankle sprain because you're absolutely exhausted. So switch and save with GEICO. It's almost better than sports.
2: Well, I think that's all we got to say about camps. They started off in in response to urbanization, really. Yeah. Get kids back to nature, which is funny because there was all this movement away from the farms Mm
3: -hmm. and the rural areas of America to cities for job opportunities and whatnot. And then they're like, oh, shoot.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Our kids don't know how to build a fire. They didn't want it. They were worried that we were making kids, kids too soft. Um, but now there there's a plethora of uh, summer camps to choose from. And I, I would like to hear about people's experiences
3: at camp, whether they were good or nightmarish like mine. So really was it because of that instance that you
2: that yeah, I was you off like
3: camp. As a very small child, I had the attitude of uh, don't try, try again. Um, a girl tried to kill me. So I think I'm just going to be uh, cool with going to the pool every day instead of going to camp. Yeah, that doesn't sound half bad to you. Yeah, my parents were like, whatever, as long as you're out of the house.
2: I wanted to be a lifeguard. So, I mean, you were still straddling my two summer dreams <laughs> as a child. There you go. So that's all we got to say about camp. We would love to hear your camp stories. stuff at Discovery.com is where you can send them. And in the meantime, I've got an email here from a listener about our episode on gypsies. And just for a heads up, this is coming from uh, Liza, who's an American living in the Czech Republic. And she says, before moving here, I had never really heard of gypsies outside fiction. I was surprised to see the open and accepted racism against them here. Politicians often run on political platforms that include their removal An overwhelming percentage of Roma children are sent to special needs school, and even friends of ours have warned us that our daughters will probably grow up to be criminals. In fact, the reason we were able to adopt our daughters so quickly is because there are many biracial children given up for adoption by Czech mothers who worry about the social stigma of a darker-skinned child, and there are very few Czechs willing to adopt Roma children. I hesitate to support a television show, and she's referencing my big fat gypsy wedding, That showcases a culture's differences for the sake of mainstream voyeurism. But there certainly needs to be more publicity for the oppression and discrimination that the Roma have experienced and continue to experience in Europe. In fact, it was not until visiting a memorial here that I learned that during the Holocaust, 95% of all Czech-born Roma were killed. The Roma populations of Croatia, the Netherlands, and Estonia... We're also all but wiped out. I didn't learn this when I visited the Holocaust museums in Washington, D.C. and in Jerusalem towards several concentration camps in Central Europe or took two university courses that covered the Holocaust. We are letting the story of the Roma fall through the cracks in history as well as modern social and political justice movements. So thank you, Liza, straight from the Czech Republic sharing your thoughts and opinions with us as well as everybody else who's written in discovery.com is where you can write us and you can find us on Facebook give us a like we are so close to 10,000 likes so close so
3: close I, I do check it frequently I do yeah it's like, exciting
2: like, oh, 98 something great so so help, us, help, help push us over the yeah, edge be a, it? be a pal yeah be a pen pal and you can also follow us on Twitter at Podcast. And if you want to have some summer fun during the summer, what better place to do it than over at our home site, HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? So here's something that some of you might find shocking. 95%